episode we are live at butcher cabin books here in louisville kentucky and we've got laurel hightower on the podcast hi thank you all so much for having me this is awesome thank you so much for being here i'm very excited about this yes uh brand new for us haven't interviewed anyone so we are i will get um out of control and it's really hard to deal with and you're gonna have to back me down and probably cut out a whole bunch of stuff that i say no it's all going up on the internet forever (laughs) Everything is content. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, No coffee uh, this episode because it is six o'clock and I'm an old woman who cannot have caffeine this late. Uh, We discussed this on last week's episode. You guys heard it. Uh, It doesn't stop me, but also I just forgot to buy coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Corinne, what is our card? Uh, So today I am drawing from The Obsidian Oracle by Megan Bussere. I should really look up how to pronounce that name. Uh, It's really awesome. I bought it on Etsy. Uh, It's a really great oracle deck for journaling. Okay. And I got the Scarlet Ibis and Avalon. It's really pretty. And this one, the key points are sacrifice and different perspectives, which Mm. I think for this talk is really fitting. This is a different perspective. And having read at least one of Laurel's books recently, <laughs> I think it works. I, I think that is very thematically appropriate for Below. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, so. All right. I guess uh, we are going to do a quick Q&A. And by quick, I mean we wrote a lot of questions. So I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so to start off with, uh, so why Mothman specifically? Um, part of that has to do with Richard Gere, I would imagine. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but it was it's also just I feel like Mothman is very interestingly enigmatic. Um, you know, Bigfoot. I'm not I'm not throwing any shade on Bigfoot, but the guy's wandering around a lot. He's getting a lot of press. Mothman is very enigmatic. He kind of like shows up in very limited areas. Mm-hmm. Um, not really sure who he is or what he's trying to do, and was just sort of interesting. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, he does seem to just really like West Virginia. He does, yes. Seems to be moving around. My mom made some very unkind comments about West Virginia when I mentioned the topic of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great because that's where my aunt lives. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Um, All right. So for Below, what was your approach towards any additional Mothman research? Well, I, it mostly came from, so I read, um, John Keel's book, the, uh, the Mothman Prophecies, which of course was what the movie was based on. Um, and it's, it's very interesting because it's, I, I accept it as, and it is presented as nonfiction. Um, so it was mostly, I had read that, um, a couple of years previously and I thought there's, it's just interesting because there's so much more than just the figure of Mothman in it. 
Um, there's a whole lot of stuff that is just very ambiguous. Uh, and, you know, these these other kind of people that show up in these ill-fitting clothes and pretend to be other people and, and um, also mimicking uh a lot on telephone calls and on radios and things like that. And just very interesting little things that just almost seem like blips of something, you know, that you would experience from some other plane or something. There's just so much more to it. You know, it's not just like, so, so yeah, just mostly it was reading that book and then kind of poking through some of the real life accounts and then also taking a, a very poorly advised solo drive through the mountains of West Virginia. <laughs> Which was terrifying. I do not like that drive. We made that last December, and the drive back when it started snowing was not fun. That is terrifying. It on those roads. It's not bad. <laughs> well, I don't have any self preservation skills. No, you it, don't. It's not that bad a drive. I've driven it in the snow. I don't recommend it, but it's not bad. <laughs> I don't even. Have, it wasn't even snow. It was. It was rain. Um, but it was also, so here's how you know that I'm 40 and over. I'm going to start talking about my health here. So anyway, <laughs> um, but basically it kicked off vestibular vertigo. Oh, okay, um, that's bad. yeah. So I was like driving and I, you know, it's like eight 30 in the morning. I'd done fine about until I get to West Virginia. And then I'm like, why do I feel drunk? Cause I have not had anything. And then, you know, I'm kind of like, man, I don't know what's going on here. I kept pulling over, you know, to stop and like kind of rest and see if I could get situated. And I just couldn't. And a smart person would stop driving at that point, but I had a convention to get to. So by golly, I just kept going. But it was really, that was part of the impetus for this book was I really at one point at a rest stop was like, I would hand my keys to a serial killer if they would just get me there. Like there's room in the trunk for their bodies. I don't care. Whoever will get me there is fine with me. Um, so serial killers listening, you've heard it here. If you just, see Laurel. <laughs> She's got you. Just but keep her alive. Yeah. You want more books. Yeah. And... <laughs> okay. And then this is actually, I had a question very specifically after I read below and Amanda is being very kind and letting me add this to our <laughs> questions list. So in the story, the main character often uh, would imagine what other characters are saying to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is something that I do. Oh, same. All the freaking time. <laughs> so I was wondering, like, how did you hit on that particular decision? Because it. It's such an enclosed book, but it, it was a great way to open it up so much more. Yeah. And it's something that like, so I don't, I'm definitely a planner, but I'm not someone who can visualize like the reasoning for that. You know what I mean? So like, I didn't really think out the reason for it. I just more, um, a lot of it just has to do with, and this is really going to sound like I'm throwing my husband under the bus. I swear <laughs> to God, he's a wonderful man. We have a great marriage. He is, um, he's older than me. And when we met, I was also, I was very smart about some things, very clueless about others. Like did not own a coat or oh. a an umbrella. And so, you know, he was, yeah, yeah. So he was just sort of like, huh, okay. And then he would just buy me a coat, you know, but it was one of these things where it was, um, I sort of let, and not just him, I sort of let other people's judgment override mine a lot in my life. And, and not, it, no one was being nefarious with it. You know, it was just one of those things where I felt like, well, if someone else had a different opinion or a different take on it, then that was the acceptable one. And so it's one of those things that as I've gotten older, I've had to kind of struggle with, like, you know, I, I don't want to just accept someone else's viewpoint. And that was a lot of the back and forth that Addie has in her head is not letting someone else dictate her reality. And, the you know, the other part of that is um, a horror movie trope that just drives me up the wall is the 
Well, we've been married for 20 years. It's been wonderful. Um, everything has been great. We've had two kids. You saw a, you're crazy. You saw a ghost. I'm immediately putting you like, no, I just don't feel like that's how that works. You know, I feel like it's like you have your version of reality and people don't need to like override it exactly. So. Okay. And I think that's what made Addie such a relatable character while reading and, and why you're rooting for her so much, because I'm like, no, I've definitely had that thought again, not because anyone's nefarious, but when you're growing up, I think you kind of try on personas and really take on personalities of everyone you're around yeah, And, you know, that feeling, which one day I'll hit of knowing who you are. And, <laughs> that sounds fake, Amanda. <laughs> um, it was just very, um, it made you root for her. And you're like, no, I need her now that she's realizing who she wants to be. I need her to make it through this book. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, That's one of the things that I really hope to do is, you know, not everyone's going to jive with every single character, but... Um, I, I really like it when people find themselves in it a little bit, at least. All right. So uh, switching gears a little bit, outside of Mothman, are there any other cryptids that you are interested in? Obviously not Bigfoot, since we've already dragged yes. into the Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And if Hunter Shea listens to this, he's going to be so mad at me. But, um, <laughs> well, I am, this is bad, but I'm not super knowledgeable about a lot of cryptids. Um, I guess I would consider, I mean, would you consider a mermaid a cryptid, do you think? I could see it, especially if there's a specific one that shows up. Uh, like we, when we did research for our mermaid episode, we found out about the Ohio River mud mermaids. Really? That apparently yeah. existed uh, just up the way in Corridon. That was in what, late 1800s? Late 1800s, because it was a Confederate general who right. saw them, and I'm convinced it was just a very drunk man who had never seen a catfish before. <laughs> but That's mermaid, a strong possibility. Yeah, <laughs> I think a specific mermaid could count as a cryptid. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking about that earlier. My son is is very obsessed with mermaids right now. And he was sort of Excellent. having an argument with someone earlier today as to whether they were an animal. So <laughs> I mean, as far as like, you know, cryptids, I was like, maybe this is a cryptid I know something about is a mermaid. All right. um, and I feel like the like the hellier goblins, you mm-hmm. know, are interesting. And a lot of that, of course, has to do with proximity. They're a Kentucky right. thing. But it's interesting. It's um, I think just one of the cool things about cryptids. And I don't know if you all are watching like the um the the renewed sort of like unsolved mysteries on netflix yes i haven't yes i am yet have did you watch the paranormal investigators one yes that and see i think that's so interesting it was talking about they were two um navajo um rangers i think it was and they got tasked with investigating these paranormal instances which when they talk about it it's so cool because they're like well it wasn't really the x-files it was just that someone would call because they saw bigfoot and were scared and then they were mad we didn't even go check it out and the stuff that they're describing is is so I don't know it's so real you know like some people you just listen to and you hear what they're saying and and even though on the surface you might be like I don't believe in stuff like this like when you hear real people talk about it and talk about their experiences you're like there is a whole world out there uh, that was actually I almost texted you while I was watching the episode so it's like oh this is really cool because especially when they're talking about it from the Navajo perspective yeah, yeah. And with the with the taboos, like based on the older generations, like that's not something you talk about. Yeah, because I, I was surprised they addressed a few topics. I was like, oh, I, I was pretty sure we don't really talk about that. I was like, 
oh, it's because they weren't raised on the res. Yeah. They don't have the same taboos that some other people do. Yeah. It's a really good episode. It's honestly one of the most redeeming episodes of the season because that season's not great. (laughs) Sorry, I have opinions. Well, I know what I need to do when I go home. Uh Uh-huh. So we've actually touched on this a little bit now already, but as a fellow Kentucky native, what's your favorite bit of creepy Kentucky folklore or your favorite ghost story from the area? Ooh, that is such a good question. Um, I kind of love the Perryville battlefield. Okay. I love just sort of the general haunted idea of that. Um, I'm not aware of like, I I know that there are some like individual sort of like, you know, this sort of entity appears or whatever, but I just, I think just the overall idea of there being that many, because, um, Full disclosure, I am a big believer in ghosts. Um, I I totally believe in ghosts. I'm also totally willing to accept it if I, you know, reach the other side and someone in authority is like, you are so full of it. Everything you saw was ridiculous. Like, that's fine. I'll just accept that. But at this point in my life, I do fully believe in it. And I can really see why in an area like that, when you just have that much activity um, and, you know, death and pain and that sort of thing, uh, why there would be that kind of thing. Um, a couple of girlfriends of uh, and and I went and stayed uh, last summer in a an old uh, house that had been used as a, a, a war hospital or you know about a battlefield hospital there. Um, and uh, yeah, I didn't sleep like at all. No. <laughs> How could you? I thought it was a great idea at the time. And then I was like, oh god, I'm old. I need sleep. This was terrible. <laughs> oh, that's I would not do that. I know. No, <laughs> You know, and the we didn't really experience anything. And one of my friends is very she's very sensitive to it. Like I I I fully believe that she's always been able to kind of do that. And she just kept she was like, mm, I don't really, you know, she would she would say like she would sense something being slightly interested, but then sort of like withdrawing. Which yeah, you're totally gonna sleep after that. Oh, how benign is just interested, so it's gonna stare at me while I'm sleeping. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's we didn't do we did some EVP stuff the next morning. Um, but that night, like, I know it's not even a real ghost story. It's just every so often I get sleep paralysis, which is like horrible. Oh. And I had two episodes of the absolute worst sleep paralysis that night. And I'm like, that wasn't a haunting. I swear it was just, I need to believe that for my, yes. for yeah. my well-being. <laughs> sleep paralysis is terrifying to me. The only time I ever had it was when we had that uh, rental house with Kristen. Because I accidentally woke her. You were at ops. I woke up screaming and woke up Kristen. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just really glad that you woke up because it feels like you're never going to, right? Yeah. Um, it was it was wild. I still remember that nightmare very vividly and like the hallucinations that went with it. Yes, because it's 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 so real and you don't you don't feel like a dream. You feel like you're seeing these things. And the worst ones, like when I got older, they started incorporating touch. Oh no. no. Yeah, no, I, Absolutely I, not. I wrote a story that's coming out at the end of November called um, Give Me Your Fingers, nope. which has something to do with that. Because like there was one night that it felt like all these fingers started like from my knees and just all the way up my body. Like and when I finally woke up, like I started cussing. I was so mad. I was like, listen, we had an agreement. This is <laughs> bullshit that nope. you should not be able to touch me. And why are there so many of you? Nope. Like, that's not cool. Absolutely no. not. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this, but our shtick is that I'm the coward and I don't do horror. <laughs> and this is why. 
Absolutely right? Because what? Oh, yeah. No, it's bad. I'm not yeah. a fan of sleep paralysis, no. which means I'll probably have some tonight because they heard me. So Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> uh, no, the thing that freaks me out the most about sleep paralysis is how consistent mm. the visions are across people. You mm-hmm. know, I hate it. Hundreds of thousands of people have seen the Hat Man or the Hag. Um, I've only had sleep paralysis once. I didn't see anything, thankfully. I just woke up and could not Which move. is scary enough as it is. Yeah. Yes. That's how I knew it was sleep paralysis. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't move. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so what I'm seeing in my room isn't real. This is a hallucination. But it's still getting closer. Yeah. And I don't like that. I, I should probably text Kristen and apologize to her again about that one. <laughs> it has been how many years? Like a decade. It's fine. Um... All right. So I have a guess. I know what the answer is to this question, but have you always been a horror fan? And what about the genre really draws you to writing horror? I absolutely have. Yes. Always been a horror fan. Um, You know, I I just always loved the spooky stuff. Um, And in large part, it was because of just the way that it makes you feel. I love the... um, the sort of like, you know, at dusk stepping out uh, in the fall time, you know, when it's like the leaves are kind of swirling and there's this a little bit this like cozy promise of, you know, spooky, but not dangerous kind of thing. And thank you. I, and that's I mean, that's what I really, you know, have always loved about it. And then the more I've gotten into the genre, the more that I've read of indie horror, um, the more I have seen what it's capable of, what it covers, what it does. And um, at the risk of sounding really sappy, one of the greatest benefits it's done for me is I truly believe that we know each other best by hearing our stories. And when you read, like I, you know, some of my friends really introduced me to the idea of like making an effort to read diversely. And that's very important to me because you learn about fears that other people have that you never would, that don't, you know, so like you might read a story and and you wouldn't have included that element because you're like, well, that doesn't seem scary to me. But for some people, using a bathroom is scary. Choosing which bathroom to use is scary. Um, you know, for, for certain people, like anytime a cop approaches, that's a scary situation. And these are all just broad generalizations, but there's so many stories and there's so much that we can learn about each other through the things that scare us. And so the more that I've done it, it's more, I just love seeing the way that it just like can go around corners and bring you to places that you just never imagined even existed. I really love that. Thank you. Sorry. It's a big diatribe. I'll get off my (laughs) box, but it's, it's just what I, it's what I love about it. You know, similar conversations we've had on the the podcast about the importance of storytelling. So yeah, every once in a while we'll, pick an episode topic and it'll end up that there's not really anything scary about it. We find really wholesome stories, which is good too, you know? And it's just so nice because it's these stories that have united communities for thousands of years. Yeah. And it's just, it's nice. It helps you have faith in humanity again a little bit. It absolutely does. Which people who don't, aren't into horror, um, which, you know, my husband will not watch, read horror. He really dislikes it. Yep. (laughs) And it's, you know, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. People should enjoy what they enjoy. 
Um, but I know that some people were a little bit confused why anybody would really delve into horror during like the pandemic when things were bad enough as it was. And it's just, it's a safe way to experience that, you know, for sure. It's the same as, you know, when a therapist tells you to go for a run to deal with your anxiety, you are teaching your body to react to a racing heartbeat in a healthy way. I feel like it's the same way with horror. You're teaching yourself to deal with something that scares you or makes you feel unsettled in the world in a controlled environment that allows for a resolution whether or not it's a happy resolution um there's just the idea you know that that you see people solving a problem you see people working working together you know doing these things and it's just it's you know it it was really i feel like i leaned into it even harder during that time that makes sense so switching gears a little bit um we know you've got a full-time job you're talking a little bit about working at a law firm how do you balance writing with a full-time job and also being a parent and being engaged with your family a lot of it has to do with just being willing to pivot on your schedule you know um it used to be back in the olden times when i only was responsible for myself, I loved to write in the mornings, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like that was the time I was most productive. But when you have a kid, they don't care about your schedule or your feelings or anything else. So <laughs> you just kind of got to do what they do. Um, so it was always just a matter of I, I clearly remember the first time I was able to write when he was a baby. Um, it was probably weeks and weeks after I brought him home. But I was like, he was asleep in my lap, which is like the only way he would sleep. And I was like typing, like, li- like cr- you know, just hunched yep. over him, like, please don't make too much noise because also he didn't sleep. But, um, you know, it's it's just finding those ways to like slide it in there. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is just planning. It's like, OK, do I have 20 minutes today to do this? So that I can do it and then put it aside and be present for my son. Because I also don't want to be like, you know, I recently watched Coraline. Um, yes. And those parents, I was just like, wow. Like, you know, and then I was like, wow, I'm never going to like tell my child to be quiet while I write again. Like ever. So <laughs> no it's. No wonder you two are miserable. <laughs> I know. It was just so mean. But um, but yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's just, it's a lot of that. It's just finding the time where you can find it. And and learning to let yourself slow down and be okay with the progress that you can make with the life that you live, you know, because it's very easy to compare yourself when you see someone else coming out with like five books a year, you know, and it's not a matter of looking saying, oh, well, you don't have, you know, you don't know what other people have going on, but you can look at your life and say, I'm doing the best for me now. Okay. That probably didn't actually include any actual advice. It was much. No, no. <laughs> I, I think that answered the question as well as you can. It's a, you know, it's a juggling act. and Yeah, it is. It is. All right. So uh, going back a little bit to what you were saying a couple questions ago, I think it's fair to say that horror and especially indie horror is having a huge moment right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, what authors are must reads? Oh, my you? gosh. <laughs> How long do you all have? Cause... <laughs> um, as long as you want. <laughs> it's yeah. I, and and I am absolutely going to forget multiple people, so I apologize ahead of time. But some of the ones I've been enjoying recently, I'm reading Haley Piper's um, No Gods for Drowning right now. Um, she gets really tired. I am sure of hearing me talk about her like on every podcast I'm ever on, but <laughs> she is amazing. Um, her ability to just capture whole different worlds and take whole different tacks and just really show you, you know, 
different ways to to think is fantastic. I love S.H. Cooper's work. Um, her recent Inheriting Her Ghosts is Loved like, oh my gosh, so good. It's like gothic perfection. It's I binged that in one day. Yes. <laughs> is that yeah. a friendly book? Um, there's probably at least one scene that I have concerns for you on. But but I mean, it's... <laughs> it doesn't have the body horror element, really. Right, that I think yeah. is your big thing. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, sorry, when I read your book, at one point, <laughs> my face was just like this the whole time. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I almost sent Amanda pictures, but it was while I had COVID, so I looked extra bad. <laughs> yeah. I didn't ever think body horror was a thing that I could do. And then I was like, oops, I'm gross. So. <laughs> it was effective. It I appreciate well that. Used. <laughs> it was well used, but my face was this the whole time. <laughs> yes, I have. I have made that face at uh, at multiple books. Um, I definitely would be reading Violet Castro. The Castro is totally hot right now, and and for very good reason. Um, her stuff is amazing. I just read Queen of Cicadas, which is great, and her um, Aliens tie-in uh, book about Vasquez just came out, which Ooh. I cannot wait to read. I'm so excited about that one. Oh, she writes everything. It's so like spicy, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just so. I just love her voice and the way that she does it. Um, I would also definitely be reading Gemma Amore. Um, her stuff is very good. Um, Six Rooms is excellent. And Dear Laura is as well. Um, and my copy of Full Immersion, I'm still waiting on Barnes & Noble. Um, <laughs> but I, I've heard very good things about that. Um, oh, my gosh. I feel like I could just go on forever. St- <laughs> Stephen Graham Jones is a must, in Absolutely. my opinion. Absolutely a must uh, to pick up his stuff. Okay. Right. I'm going to quit because I will <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's a great list. And... I am going to end up spending too much money here Ooh, from that list. Sorry, one more. Um, Rhonda Joseph Jackson. Um, RJ Joseph is, I think, what she writes under. Her first collection just came out. Um, it's called Hell Hath No Sorrow, Like a Woman Haunted, which is fantastic. The cover's beautiful, and I loved every story cover to cover. Um, I really love her work, and I was so excited to to get to see this like collected in one place. She is amazing, and I think everyone should read her. I'm super excited to hear that because i actually just got that book delivered oh did you oh it's so good i love it wonderful Uh, well this is about the length of a normal episode for us Uh, can you tell everyone where to find you I am on Twitter way, way, way too much, but who knows how much longer that will go on. <laughs> who knows um, if that'll be valid when this episode comes yeah, out? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know. So if it's oh, not... It's from now, Amanda. If, you know, yeah. <laughs> if it's not much love to everyone, and I hope everyone's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm at Hightower Laurel on Twitter. Um, I have a TikTok. I think it's at Laurel Hightower. Um, and I'm on Instagram at... I think it's just at Laurel High Tower. I feel like I'm always going to get that wrong, but it's like, it's just my name. It's just my name. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, obviously we talked about below on this podcast. I think everyone should run out and read Crossroads and cry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And what do you have coming up? Anything you can tell us about? Yes. Yeah. So in March um, of next year, I will have my first short story collection coming out. It is called um, Every Woman Knows This. Um, and that is coming out through, uh, Death Nell Press. Um, and it's going to have some really cool internal illustrations, which I'm excited about. Ooh. So, and then I have a novel coming out in either September or October of next year called Silent Key. And that's with Flame Tree Press. Okay. Love what they've been putting out. Oh, too. yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're really fun to work with as well. That's good to hear. You always, you're like, I buy from these people. Is it, <laughs> is it ethical? 
Oh, yes. No, I I love I, I really have enjoyed working with them so far. I loved working with Off Limits and I love working with uh, Max Booth at uh, Ghoulish slash Perpetual Motion. Yeah, all very I've been very, very lucky with my publishers. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking time for us today. Absolutely. Thank you all um, so much for having me. We were very of excited course, to do yes. this. <laughs> um, everyone listening should go out and buy anything Laurel has written. Uh, and also, you can get on Butcher Cabin Books' website and yes. order from them so that you can also support the wonderful place where we are recording tonight. Yes. And also come here and make sure you take your picture with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yes. It's yes. one of the major benefits. <laughs> all right well uh sweet dreams and caffeinated nightmares everybody good night you know that feeling when you're searching for a new horror book but you're just being stared down by a wall of stephen king we're trying to change that we're butcher cabin books a new horror focused bookstore giving shelf space to indie horror writers don't worry we still carry king but he's quarantined to his own section Learn more at horrorbookstore.com where you can buy books online along with merch and mystery boxes. Or you can visit us in person in Louisville, Kentucky, where we're open year-round. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by Seanan McGuire, copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more. Follow us on Instagram at Graveyard Coffee Talk Pod or on Twitter at Talk Graveyard. Graveyard.